to a tale of two rivals. A fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat. Go with your gut. I'm just winning all the time and David's always losing. Champion. And a spreadsheet-loving, Patreon-subscribing, you know, seventh place in the T. OTR Listener League to find you some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who am I joined by? <laughs> You're joined by at FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Todd, this is our third episode this week. People have not listened to any of the episodes first. I recommend checking those out. Todd, your takes your, from week two were great. I really enjoyed ours. They're being efficient. They're hard hitting. The banter is there, my friend. I'm I'm ready to get going, Todd. And we got a little special treat for show three, Todd. A show favorite in question of the day. All right, question of the day. Uh, I thought that was a pretty solid sound effect. We we don't need sound effects on the show. I got this. <laughs> it sounded like a frog doing an air horn, but yeah. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> What is the best vacation you've been on? And what is your ideal vacation destination? David. Todd, I have been very extremely lucky with some of the vacations I've been on. Uh went on, you know, I've done I've I've been to Aruba with my family as a kid when I was in like a freshman in high school. It was one of the greatest trips I've ever experienced I've had with my family. It was just a great family experience. I would say I I cannot say Maine as a vacation place, Todd, because that's what I would say. For this question normally, but I would say that the my my greatest vacation is that I w- was twice I have been over to Ireland when Quinn was living over there. My wife was living over there for a year. I went over and visited her twice for like 10 days, uh, and they were absolutely some of the most, it was some of the best times of my life being over there with her, being in Ireland in such in a culture that I really appreciate the history over there uh, is as amazing. And just, I really like the people, how nice they are, how it, a lot of that, but then just two. There was one place in Dingle, which remind me of a main coastal like Bar Harbor, but with not quite as touristy. But with and we were walking down the main street, there is live Irish music happening every single night in every bar. There's throw like twenty five bars into Bar Harbor, and every one of them has live Irish music every night. It, absolutely unbelievable experience, Todd. It was my favorite vacation. What was the best vacation you've been on, my friend? So the best vacation I've ever been on was my honeymoon. And it was Aruba. So, you know, I've, um, I did England in, uh, Paris in high school. That was an experience. Uh, ended up going to Jim Morrison's grave. That was super, super cool experience. I've been all over the United States, but Aruba, it was special too, because my wife really had to convince me to go to Aruba. Uh, I had a different destination in mind, and I will save that for my ideal in a little bit. But she was all about like, I just want to be able to relax. So we got like an all inclusive, at the Ryu Palace, uh, we did all the excursions, the dune buggies, the jet skis, the parasailing. We get up early, get the palapas, you know, the buffets. We went out to some phenomenal restaurants still, too. It was just the most relaxed I'd ever been in my entire life in one of the most beautiful places with the cleanest water. And, like, the weather was always perfect, dude. It was like, oh, it was also my first experience of a swim-up bar, bro. And like, <laughs> I mean that the, my only my only thing is that their local beer is awful. But other than that, it was just like 
the greatest thing ever. Also, I ended up getting this trap to sale that's like considered like one of the five best beers in the world and you can't get it in America. So like that was the only chance I was able to get that. I ended up spending like 30 bucks on a bottle, which I was like, I don't care. I'm never going to have a chance to get this again. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a cool experience, man. So Aruba, what about um ideal for you, man? What about ideal um location? I man, the ideal for me was tough. There's a lot of places that I would love to go. I'd love to go back to Europe. Uh there's just a lot of places that I'd like to go. I I'd love to go get a honeymoon. I'd love to go back to for, to Belize for a honeymoon. It was a really special time for me and my wife there as well, Todd. But I think my number one destination is probably and it's a big one, but probably Australia. Just I think like it's just one of those trips where you you know that you'd have to take a lot of time to go there. I mean, I, I I'm like, like there's so many places, Todd, that I want to go and visit, and I, I feel like trapped saying this. Australia, Africa would be another one I'd like to go to, but it, that's I vacation wise, I think it would be Australia because I can get the beach size, I can get do some touristy things. I think Australia be just for the whole experience, the the nature there, the different the people. And it's just, it feels like the overall experience would be truly amazing. And so Australia would be high up on my list. What about you, man? Italy. Hands down. Yeah, yeah. I love that. The good, great choice. Italy's yeah, up there for me as well. Italy, hands down. That's where I wanted to go on our honeymoon. The history, I'm a huge history nerd. I'd love to go to the Coliseum, dude. I would love to go to the Coliseum. The food, the culture, the art, the coast, just, oh, man, the way of life. Like, it would just be so cool. So the reason we didn't go there on my honeymoon was, is my wife was like, I would literally just be following you running around like a small child. That's not a honeymoon. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, that's totally true. <laughs> I was just like, that's a nail on the head, dude. Like, yeah. So I was like, yep. So we went to Aruba, zero regrets. It was phenomenal. But Italy, man, Italy, Italy, Italy. That's, that's my number one. All right. Oh, it's nice to get a question today, and it's always fun to get a little banter in there that's not football. All right, for the third show segment, which is kind of like a weekly review, we're going to actually do something a little different this week. I like that we're saying different when it's the only second time of the new format. We're going to do two risers and one follower each. So I'm going to let Dave kick it off with his first riser. And my first, Todd, I actually kind of like the idea that our third show can be whatever we want it to be each week. Yeah, actual advice, uh, maybe a fun game segment, all kinds of different opportunities for this third show here. But yeah, risers and fallers here. My first riser, Todd, I talked to him about a player that I maybe go out and get by trading away to go get Brandon Ayuk, and it's Mike Williams. He is definitely rising up. And I I was always a Corey Davis over Mike Williams guy in that rookie class. But Mike Williams, just unbelievable start to the season. He's a wide receiver five, and his ADOT has actually decreased by a full, almost a full five yards to what it was for that, for when his like those a two a two season stretch where it was up to like almost 15 a dot where being pushed on the field a lot as a deep stretcher where he had to go and make these acrobatic plays all the time well now he they've decreased it, his a dot and where he's getting the ball on the field and they're also increasing the amount of targets uh he's and and this whole process has led to him almost doubling his targets per game he's up to 11 targets per game through only two two mind you but his and his wops are whopper his weight opportunity rating is actually down just because of the air yards are down, but overall, what we and the big thing here too is that his racer, which is his efficiency, is a great efficiency stick, uh, a statistic, one of the best that there is, and sticky year to year. But it's actually doubled. He has become almost twice as efficient at turning those air yards into re into actual receiving yards, and that makes me really confident 
moving forward where I I don't want to say that I'm moving up to like a 12 top 12 wide receiver rest of the season for him, but a touch Justin Herbert. But I think he is definitely should be looked at as a top 24 wide receiver week in, week out. Whereas he was maybe not even in some people's top 36 wide receivers, but he's, I, I'm, I'd probably even trade away LaVisca Chenault for him in dynasty. There's a lot of things I would do. And that just shows you that how much these statistics that I really care about when they change like this and this t- opportunity changes, just how much I start to pay attention, Todd. And Mike Williams is the ben- biggest beneficiary for me through the first two weeks. I'm not sure if anyone's taking anyone from the dumpster fire of Jacksonville for that, but that's fair. That's but you know fair. what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, I do. Chenault I do. was ahead of him in, on, for almost everyone, I would say. Uh, it absolutely was. I just had to just throw another shot at Jacksonville. You know, just <laughs> it just felt appropriate. Uh, I feel like almost compelled to going back to our first year and like clipping some of the absolute slander you used to throw at Mike Williams. Like you were like his number one hater, man. So like this is blowing my mind right now. I mean, granted, you got new information. The way your process works, he's absolutely a guy you got to change your mind about. And I've been pretty right, to be honest. Pretty right so far. <laughs> like, yeah, he didn't uh, have a top 10, <laughs> like a, te- a 10 touchdown season and then yeah. a thousand yard season, but he has not been, I don't think he's not returned the value no. that, that he was as a rookie. Yeah, I, I actually 100% agree with you. I like that was the one where I was leading the parade to get him. That was like one of our first, first, like early arguments was Mike Williams. And you fu- this is what I was telling you, Dave. Like, this day was going to come. You just had to wait for it. <laughs> well, you, it's weird that the same thing has happened for Corey Davis, really. <laughs> It's like weird. Like, how has that happened? <laughs> Mike Williams will not get you zero points in week 16. Uh, <laughs> all right. So my first riser, it's not exactly like a surprise name. I just think it's a guy that was really high on boards uh, for a while. Then he had an injury, and that's Cortland Sutton. The man who ended up behind Jerry Judy, Gordon had a chance to compete with Jerry Judy for that, for for like position, you know? With Judy on the shelf, like, Sutton just feasted, dude. Like, you're talking about nine catches on 12 targets for 159 yards, right? I was a big Sutton guy prior to the injury. And then Judy, Judy comes along and complicates things. This guy's going to have a massive target share against some very weak competition. Rock solid Y2, who have some impressive wide one weeks until his stud teammate is back. Absolutely a guy worth trading down from a guy like, you know, one of the more like top tier like wide receivers. If you're looking to move down at a wide receiver to maybe like move up and running back if that's like where you're looking. But uh, I I just think Sutton's just, his potential's through the roof right now. Even with Teddy Bridgewater as his QB. Yeah, he's definitely a riser, Todd. And what's really weird about this is that all week there was that clip of him in practice where he was like limping. It almost looked like he had the Jalen Waddle thing going on where it was looked like should he even be out there because it looked like that limp was so noticeable, but he goes out there even with Teddy Bridgewater as quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, who did his best to thwart DJ Moore's ascension into true greatness last season. I have him in, uh, in one or two places and aesthetic, especially after week one, where he didn't really do anything to come out and explode is definitely promising here. Uh, so I should say, go right into my next uh, riser too is Chase Edmonds. He's a one of the most talked about players on this show, Todd, besides he's just a, definitely a top 10 tail to rivals topic, I think, throughout the years. we Our only emergency podcast we've ever done was on Chase Edmonds 
when David Johnson went down. Uh, and, and that, that was like the most planned show we've ever had too. It, oh God. We were that, like, that was, that was a process. <laughs> yeah. We, we like called, like we were like bat signal out. It's chase him. It's go time. Oh, and then he, it didn't happen, but it's anyway, that being said, Todd, I, I just went out my back, my back door and yelled Fordham and, <laughs> and, and David replied. Oh God. Uh, but he's seen it, a 40% increase in weight opportunities per game. Over last season, which was his bit, his be- like honestly was his best volume he's had in his career. So he's seen a forty percent increase through two games, and he's now, mind you, in that kind of increase in only two games, I wouldn't only get too excited. However, he's also doubled his evaded tackles and his juke rate, showing that he has a little bit more burst, a little more wiggle than he has shown in previous seasons. So that makes me just a little bit more like that combined with the opportunity increase has me really excited about him. And even more importantly, Todd, and sometimes with running backs, it's not just the player. It's the situation. Arizona has been smashing, Todd. Kyler Murray looks like an MVP caliber. Well, actually, he's always, he's always last year, he looked like an MVP, MVP caliber player as well. But he looks like, I would say, maybe the front runner for the MVP, in my opinion, through two games. He has, he's opening up, throwing it all over the field. And Chase Edmonds has been a beneficiary of that, doing it on the ground and through the air. He's the RB17 which doesn't seem too crazy here, but he's done it without a touchdown. So RB17 without a touchdown, Todd, is very promising to me. And again, going back to the situation, James Conner has looked washed. He's doing more running laterally than he has running forward. And he's been stealing some of those high-value touches like in the red zone. But if he continues to look just like a, a plotter and not inspiring whatsoever, Chase Edmonds might even see a, even more valuable touches, Todd, going forward. So Chase Edmonds, big riser for me. He's he's my heart. I love him. I love him. You said it all, David. But I will, just to touch on the Cardinals, if that defense can tap into its potential, because they got some ballers, but they are young in a lot of places. Plenty of good like veteran presence on the edge. You're looking at a Super Bowl contending team, man. I mean, it, the defense is the big question mark there. The offense has got everything. And Chase Edmonds can be a Super Bowl winning running. <laughs> My second riser is Damian Harris. Popular name coming out. It's a guy that I was really high on coming in from the offseason. And he's proven it. 23 carries in week one. 16 carries in week two. He is clearly the lead back in New England easily. And you're not looking at the same kind of depth at that position. Yes. Stevenson and Taylor are good players, but Harris is going to carry the load, all right? And he looked like this kind of player heading towards this load last year. Averaging only two carries, I mean, excuse me, not two carries, averaging two targets, probably not going to go up with the existence of James White around, who's also a phenomenal value right now, but absolutely great pick as your running back three right now. Or if you traded for him last year or in the offseason, like I did. Thanks, Father B. Harris is the kind of guy that you could have as an RB2 or part of like an RB2 rotation, you know, play, play little matchups. And you could win a title because you'd be strong everywhere else. I, I am sold that Harris will sustain uh, this kind of work and this kind of value throughout the season. Todd, he loses that fumble to cost Patriots the game in week one, yep. and he's rolled back out. That's very promising. Now, he... Still is pretty one-dimensional, which kind of, I think, limits his upside here, where he really is going to become TD-dependent if you want him to ascend past that RB2 range that you're talking about. But that being said, Todd, 
He's still seeing two targets a week, which isn't anything to write home about. But three receptions is at least something that it just boosts him a little bit. Whereas, you know, in the past, he wasn't even getting targeted at all. So that's something at least, Todd. And, you know, 20, that's an extra two points. Like actually an extra four points this season through the receiving game that wouldn't be there like last year in other places. So that's at least something, a little, a little uh, feather in the cap, if you will. So here's this is the whole point of why I look at Harris as a good RB2. He's the kind of guy that you're going to put in, and he's going to consistently put up solid numbers, right? And then you can look for your upside at a position that I think you find better upside in, at wide receiver, or maybe even tight end if you get a certain guy. But for me, it'd be more, I I always go wide. That's that's the way we roll. So to me, it's kind of like, like you can play with, some value options as your RB2. Obviously, you need a little depth if you're going to have Damian Harris as your RB2. You can win a title with Damian Harris as your RB2. Absolutely. He's going to have the consistency, that TD-dependent piece. He's going to score, and he's going to be able to put up points for you in some weeks. But you're going to be able to find more splash out of the wide receiver position. That's why I'd be like cool with moving a back that's just ahead of Harris to get better at wide receiver, because I think you're going to have more sustainability over season that way. In so. our 2-0 and o team, Todd, in our co-owner league, that's 16-team IDP, uh, we have Miles Gaskin, Damian Harris, and Chris Carson as our three running backs. After really fading position, we got them. I don't think we drafted any of them before the eighth round in we had the 16-team league. But we drafted K-Makers. Oh, that's right. And that's after K-Makers went down. That's right. right. Uh, uh, so not too shabby, Todd, for a 16-team league right now. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right. Dave, who's your faller? So we, like you said, we like to be pretty positive, Todd, uh, when we're doing this stuff. So it's tough to always kind of have a faller here. Uh, this one probably talked a lot about, I haven't listened to a lot of pods this week, but he's probably being talked about a lot. And it's Clyde edwards Lair. Usually when I do any type of a running back analysis, I always lead with opportunity share for running backs. And Clyde edwards Lair is actually sixth in the NFL with a 77% opportunity share. 77% opportunity share is bell cow level. Like anything over 75%, I would have the, the Twitter emoji of the eyes thing. That's like, I'd be excited if I was going to do a tweet. And that just shows you how uninspiring CH has been given his, his, that kind of workload in Kansas city here. So going back, and this is even going to week two here. This is like, it's a trifecta Todd of what really made it miserable. He had a goal line carry and a goal line target vultured from him in week two. Uh, Then also too, they had a, uh, a screen to CEH. That was then when and Mahomes in mid play decided not to throw it to CH the screen and actually threw it to fullback instead. So even when they're scheming up for for CH, Mahomes doesn't want to go to him. He's not dumping the ball to him. So that's like a trifecta of you're losing goal line carries, you're losing red zone targets, you're losing even manufactured uh, targets and screen game. That's just and but then on top of that, the real dagger was what everyone saw was he fumbled to cost the game the Kansas City. So even though these running back numbers are have been good, I think that this kind of the four horsemen or whatever that I've just talked about, that's kind of a good, an uh, easy way to show that Andy Reid and Kansas City is not trying to do a ton to get him involved and give him those high value touches. And it, it really takes the wind out of my, uh, beneath my wings here, Todd. It, it, it deflates the whole situation to where I think he's a middling RB2 now for me. And I'm trying to get out at this point. It's funny that you talked about Pollard in previous shows, I'm toying with the idea of trying to do Pollard plus for CH at this point. Like that's how low I'm willing, I am on CH. Now I'm 
the only thing that stopped me from just going and doing that, and it's just a, a, a mind thing right now, is that they have had two match tough matchups in week one and two, Cleveland and Baltimore. It's tough to say they're going to have many more difficult matchups than that rest of season. So I don't want to go and do that Pollard trade or the or the Elijah Moore trade that I was tagged on in Twitter today. If someone asks CH or Elijah Moore, I'll still see CH. But man, I have the optimism that I had as really, really, I, it was a miss. It was a miss. That's how I feel. Even through two weeks, I feel that way. David, take a deep breath with me. <laughs> <sighs> he's getting work, and it's been two weeks, and he's part of one of the best offenses in the NFL. Just hold. Hold. Okay. I, I am holding, but it's a David, very strenuous David, hold. David, very strenuous. Hold. Okay. I'm it. It's, uh, yes, it is extremely stressful. It was definitely a guy that what people were going to expect to kind of make a leap after like not having the, the same level of expectations we have for him as a rookie. But like Dave said, he's sixth in usage and they had two tough matchups. Like relax people. It's early. It's not time to bail on that, particularly in Dynasty. Redraft? And you're open too? I actually think CH is a great target because you got to roll the dice somewhere to be able to try to make something up. And that's how I'm looking at it in our league that I am absolutely just a joking right now. So yeah, I would be holding on CEH. My faller is hurting me because I invested in him in a lot of places. I traded for him in a league where I finished second in a league, and he was supposed to be my big QB uprise. He's a guy that I overspent on in the second round of Superflex. Granted, like, we had, like, a thousand quarterbacks kept. So, like, he was the best quarterback by far. He was a big tear break for me. And that's Ryan Tanhill, man. I mean, he put up 347 yards in week two. Like, that's obviously, like, a, a good amount of yards. Where's the touchdowns, Ryan? Where's the rushing upside? He used to be a freaking wide receiver. You're pissing me off, Ryan. Let's go. Get it together. But let's be honest. Like, King Henry's not getting 35 carries every game. Chandler Jones, he's, he's, I, I don't know if he's having visions of Chandler Jones for the rest of the year, just shaking every time like he gets the ball. But I don't know. I mean, his stock is definitely down, but he's the kind of guy that I'd actually be looking to acquire in certain situations if I had QB needs because he's going to bounce back. I mean, like we just talked about, go back and listen to the episode where we uh, go into Dave's take. We talk about some wide receivers from, um, the Titans, and they're going to have some, like, much easier matchups coming up, but you can't deny the fact that his stock is down. Tannehill was a guy I was all over and has not come out of the gates very strong. I had trouble getting Tannehill in any spot this year because there was always someone who was a bit more bullish than him on me because I was worried about this efficiency downgrade in Tennessee. Uh, and that's what we've seen so far is that he just hasn't been as efficient, not score, not just they did do a lot better job with the play action pass in week two after not doing it much in week one, which has been a real strong suit for him. It's tough for me. He's definitely a follower. I'm not like, am I trying to trade him away, Todd? I don't think I'm like bailing out on him as like a, a as a follower here. Definitely disappointed in his play so far. I'll say that much. Me too, Dave. Me too. All right, David, tell them where they can find you can find me at FF underscore Spaceman. You can find me that on, on the Tweet Machine. You can find me on FF Spaceman on Patreon. Find me over at DLF. And check out uh, the episode of Rookie Fever this week. Todd, that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, my friend? You can find me at FF underscore Banterman on the Twitter sphere. All right, let's banter. 
Let's Talk, Dynasty, C2C, Devi, Vacation Destinations. I'm down. I'm down. You can also find my writings, rankings, and rantings over at the IDP Guys. And you can always find me here with David on the Tale of Two Rivals. Until next time.